politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight for our life, liberty, property, and against government democide, usurpation, and tyranny. If that is your goal, well, there aren't too many people offering it. There are those who will talk about it, but here at CR Podcast, we actually do it. Daniel Hurwitz back here today for Thursday, September 14th. And folks, I want to start off right away with a provocative question that, that I think a lot of people are starting to ponder. Was the Constitution a mistake? Great idea, but clearly we don't have it. We don't have anything left. All of those liberties we believe in turned upside down, inside out. The nightmare scenario has come to pass. Classical liberalism, which we call you know conservatism nowadays, believing in open freedoms for the individual, economic freedom, it's all been used against us to create tyranny. You know, that's how you have the corporate tyranny, and then all that openness allowed a bunch of elites to create this society where they just control us. Did it fail? Is there a better system? And I'm going to immediately just cut to the chase, (laughs) you know, and the suspense. The answer is, obviously, only God's word and God's law is perfect. There's no human system that is perfect. Our founders always understood that. The answer is yes and no. Well, meaning, yes, the Constitution failed. Yes, classical liberalism failed. Individual rights failed. Free markets failed. Is there a better system? Not that we know of. And the reason is very simple. There is no sure hell-fired system that you could write on a piece of paper and it could just self-execute. Well, it says in the document this and it will just go hunky-dory. Ultimately, it is up to the people. Ultimately, the people have to guard whatever is put down there. And the system was great. It was imperfect, but it was the best system ever created. It worked for a while. But we became complacent. And, you know, we'll talk about at the end of the show why I know this is true. And the proof is the fight on the gun issue. We're seeing a lot of success. The injunction against the New Mexico governor's, you know, gun grab. We're going to have Brian Feston, who was involved in that litigation, to give us that update. When we actually guard the words in the Constitution, you see the results. Where we don't, you don't. You get what you fight for. There is no system that could preserve life, liberty, property, even prevent government democide, poisoning millions of people, if you yourself don't grab back the power and don't police it. If you just sit back and just trust individual politicians or worse, subvert your own views to to comport with a politician. You don't care about fixed beliefs. You don't fight for them. It will corrode over time. You don't maintain your house or your car. It will it will, it will break down over time, and you'll have y'all problems. It needs constant maintenance. Obviously, there's millions of quotes from the founding fathers on all of this. It's not just a piece of parchment. There is no better system. It did fail because we've been complacent. That's the bottom line. And I want to give examples through the prism of the presidential election, just how complacent we've been. First, before I get in a bad mood, 
I'm always in a good mood to step in the shower with my goat soap from QP Goat Soap. QP stands for Quinn Pittman, our 16-year-old Blaze family entrepreneur who has his own goats, makes the healthiest soap you will ever get. They have all sorts of varieties, um, even pumpkin spice for the fall, which I know Steve's favorite. Everything is pumpkin spice. Anyway, what's goat soap? Look, just like with food, we put a lot of garbage in our body. Uh, When it comes to your skin, you put this stuff on your skin, it goes into your body. A lot of the soap that you get in the shell in the in the aisles of the shelves of the stores are really inflammatory and junk. QP goat soap is wholesome, very, very healthy for you, and it feels and smells great every time I'm in the shower. So get yourself an entire year's stock of goat soap at qpgoatsoap.com using promo code Daniel for 10% off your total order. Makes a great gift too. Um, as you're starting to think towards Christmas gifts, it really is. It doubles up as a air freshener as well uh, to freshen up your bathroom. Smells amazing, and uh, my oldest son is obsessed with it. He steals all my best uh, best versions of it. QPGoatSoap.com, again, promo code Daniel. So, folks, to begin with, I want to make it very clear. None of us believe in the salvation of one man. Okay? It, it takes a movement but the reason why the presidential election matters is, is twofold. Number one, it reflects this divide we have. People that actually, the few people that want to get on the playing field, make red states red, where we can convince and, or, or, or just harness the hearts and minds that already believe in what we believe to actually direct towards outcomes, to police our rights, to police our prerogatives, even in the areas where we supposedly have majorities, versus people that just love the show, they want to promote one man, they want the patronage of loyalty. It's all about that. It's all about that. Psalms 146.3, do not trust in princes and the son of a man who has no salvation. His spirit leaves, he returns to his soil. On that day, his thoughts are lost. Praiseworthy is he whose help is the God of Jacob his hope is in the Lord, his God. And and part of putting your trust in God and not man is you stand up for godly values. You can't send other people to fight your battles. And I want to start off with this dichotomy. On the very, so, so let's just set this up. What's the worst thing a government could do to its people? Well, I mean, I guess kill, kill you. There's a lot of things. They're invading us and our tyranny. They're destroying our property, our energy, our prosperity. They're engaging in psychological warfare on its own people, including making an entire generation think that a man's a woman, a woman's a man, cutting people's balls off. Crazy things. But obviously, as we've been talking about, the vaccine knowingly killing millions of people and injuring hundreds of millions and then coming out, we're going to do it all over again. And yet, why is it that we only have one state pushing back against it? So you had the announcement yesterday where DeSantis came out and he had a roundtable with Dr. Latipo and they quoted a lot of the studies that you and I have been talking about. The negative efficacy, 
the subclinical myocarditis, the spike protein remaining in the body for a long period of time. And the Florida Department of Health came out with guidance. Based on the high rate of global immunity and currently available data, the state surgeon general recommends against the COVID booster for individuals under 65. Now you might say, well, it should be against everyone. Okay, individuals 65 and older should discuss this information with the healthcare provider, including potential concerns outlined in this guidance. And then they say, this is what we'd like doctors to look at. So they're basically saying, and I know this between the lines, that they wanted to ban it completely. So they just said, well, 65, talk to your doctor. But throughout the pandemic, studies across geographic regions have found that the mRNA COVID vaccines are associated with negative effectiveness after four to six months. Um, you have an increased risk for infection. The mRNA COVID-19 vaccines present a risk of subclinical and clinical myocarditis and other cardiovascular conditions among otherwise healthy individuals. There's an unknown risk of potential adverse impacts with each additional dose. Um, And then elevated levels of spike protein from the mRNA COVID-19 vaccine persist among some individuals for an indefinite period of time, which may carry health risks. And then they say, make sure to improve your health by staying physically active, minimizing processed foods, maximizing vegetables and healthy fats, and spending time outside to support your necessary vitamin D levels. This this is the stuff that, and and I'm not going to mention names, but you know who these people are that have spent a good deal of time. They've had me on their shows. They've had other people similar yelping about this. So you have one governor that actually is a voice for the people on, on what might be the issue of our civilization in a spectacular way. You don't understand. This is five tranches ahead of any other state. And crickets, none of them will cover it. Then conversely, you go to Mitt Twomp. Megan Kelly interviewed him on her show And kudos to her for asking the right questions. And she asked him finally about Fauci getting a medal commendation on Trump's last day. Take a listen here. For years, you've been saying that the reason you didn't fire Anthony Fauci uh, was because he'd been there for a long time, that you would have taken heat, that it would have created a firestorm, quoting your words. Then for the first time in May... I also said I didn't listen to him too much. I'm getting there. But then in, in May, you started saying, well, he's a civil servant. So I couldn't, yeah. technically. The truth is, though, not only did you not fire Fauci, who is loathed by many, many millions yeah. of Republicans in particular, but also some Democrats. By the way. You yeah. made him a star. You made him a star. This is the criticism of you, that you made him the face of the White House coronavirus task You think force, so? That he was at every presser, that he was running herd for the administration on COVID, and that you actually gave him a presidential commendation before you left office. Wouldn't you like a do-over on that? Uh, I don't know who gave him the commendation. I really don't know who gave him the commendation. Well, presidential I have commendation. One went I know. Off Mark Somebody Miller, probably handed him a commendation. He probably. But let me just tell you about Fauci. Fauci was very important in the Biden administration, much less important. If you know, he didn't want to stop China. He wanted to let everyone come in from China. I stopped it. I overrode it. I overrode many of the things he did. He was much less important to me. Now, with that all being said, he's been there for years. He was respected. He lost a lot of the respect because of COVID, but he was respected. Okay, folks, so so there's a lot to unpack there. He says, I didn't know who gave him a medal. Fauci was well-respected. I didn't want to. To this day, he says that. 
and and by the way, you gotta you gotta really watch the clip. He puts on this sloth face, and he sounds retarded. But he also is very honest, and I've given him credit. There's no games there. He is a very surface guy. He is dumb about issues, dumb about personnel. The people want this. They say this is popular. They tell me this. The people say... I mean, everything we don't want. Everything the MAGA movement says they want courage and to fight. He doesn't have, and then I don't know. Even though he himself directly gave him the commendation, but I don't know. I don't know who to, who said to do that. Well, I'll tell you, it's your freaking son-in-law, Jared Kushner. You know, again, you're not going to have control every minute of your of every office and every agency of every department in the executive branch. But two things you do expect. That your White House you have control over, the people in it, the top appointees in the departments, and then if bad things arise in the you know deep bowels of the agencies, certainly long term you're going to address it. You know as soon as it comes to light in the news. And this is what we had. This went on for ten months. It wasn't like alright, he was respected. I, yeah, I get it. We don't blame him for what he did in March. He kept doing it and doing it. But everyone's like, I want to drain the swamp. And he says, I don't know who's doing this stuff. This is what we lived for four years. It was all a matter of excuse making. That there's all these people doing things. We lived this. This is what's so unique about this campaign. You don't have to rely on rhetoric. You look at that juxtaposition on the same day. DeSantis has... Who else has a health director that gets up there and, and talks about the material we talk about on this show and the studies and everything? Who has the acumen to find someone who is treating COVID patients early on like Dr. Latipo makes him Surgeon General? You contrast to the guy months after he's repudiated. And he had another option. He had Scott Atlas and basically made him subservient to Debbie and Tony. And again, the same excuse about the civil service, which in itself is a self-indictment. Why wouldn't he set up a direct challenge on that? But you didn't have to make him a White House guru. And Megan is the first one to finally push him on that, unlike others. And you can see he totally dodged it because he has no answer to that. But it's a self-indictment. But then, of course, there's the worst clip. This is a two-minute clip where she asks him about the vaccine injury. Take a listen here. But I have people on the other side. I don't not my side, although probably there's some on my side, too. They said, you saved 100 million people because I got it done in nine months as opposed to five years to 12 years. A lot of people. You're proud of it. No, I'm not proud of it. I'm saying what Democrats think. Democrats. I get it. I mean, and I'm not, and I'm I'm not, not somebody I'm who not, denies some of the good yeah, that the vaccines yeah. did. I, I lived through that, too. But, yeah. of course, a lot of people have been vaccine injured. And that's one of the questions. Those people are mad that they were rushed through and that they can't sue. Well, I never gave mandates. And people have to make up their own, you know, make their own decision, as far as I'm concerned. Now, some places had mandates, very strong mandates, uh, largely Democrat governors and probably some Republicans, et cetera, et cetera. But. There are Democrats. 
that say, why aren't you talking about that? It's one of the, they really believe strongly. One said, you say, and this is very smart people. They said, you saved 100 million people worldwide. Uh, in 1917, you know, they, it could have been as much as 100 million. It ended the First World War because all the soldiers were dying of, of this horrible disease of 1917. You know, it actually ended the First World War. The soldiers were dying. They were on the lines. They're fighting and they're dying of this horrible disease. They said, you might have saved 100 million people, 50 million people. Why aren't you talking about it? I said, I'm not talking about it. But what I did do is I got something done for that specific thing. I also got Regeneron and I got a lot of therapeutics done, which were great. I also got the robes and the leather and the rubber and all of the different things, the ventilators. Mm -hmm. We did a tremendous job and it's never, you know, they appreciated what I did with the economy. I got a lot of good marks on economy. I got a lot of good marks on a lot of things, rebuilding the military, getting rid of ISIS, uh, the biggest tax cuts in history. Uh, Supreme Court. I never got I think the credit that I deserve on COVID. All right. There's a lot to unpack there. Democrats are saying, very smart people are saying, I need to talk about the beauty of the vaccine. What the hell? First of all, that's the embodiment, not just on COVID. He did this with everything. You would think he's like, Democrats want to lynch him, right? So he's totally going to be against them. He has the motivation more than anyone to come in there and fight the left. You'd be shocked at when you get him off the campaign, like the rally rhetoric, and you sit him down in an interview or at a table when he's governing. He's a real softy. People I know that really worked for him. That was always their frustration. He's actually a big softy. Bill Gates would come in there and tell him, like, look, you know, don't set up a commission to study, you know, and this is before COVID, all the other vaccines. And he gets taken in by it. As long as you smooth talk him and assuage his ego, that's all he cares about. He, it's bizarre, 100 million were going to die this was like 1917, the, the Spanish flu, with, which ended World War I. Obviously, dodges Megyn Kelly's question on vaccine injury. Just says, oh, I didn't do mandates. Which, by the way, they actually did set up the DOD mandate. And there's no question he would have done it if he would have been president. Um, maybe not the other ones. Talks about the therapeutics, ISIS, the ventilators. All about what they say about him. The credit he deserves. Again, you got to watch his face. He looks retarded. He sounds like Fetterman. I I just don't get it. But my punchline is this. None of these guys that spent days, forever. I mean, my, my buddy Steve Bannon, I know he likes my work. I like a lot of his work. He's done great work with Naomi Wolf on vaccine injury. Won't even mildly rebuke the man. And then on the same date, obviously not praise DeSantis. Again, it doesn't even mean you have to back DeSantis or not back Trump, but you got to back the truth. But this is why our system has broken down. We don't fight for our own prerogatives. We fight for idolatry. The system's so broken that way. Our founders didn't create a system, nor could they have created a system where people wouldn't guard their own liberty, life, Death, they'd be satiated with porn, with 
all sorts of distractions, political porn. It's all right. None of this matters. We don't need a, a budget fight. The border invasion is insane. We'll have a show on Monday. The dangerous people coming up from Panama. It's, it's out of control beyond belief. It's biblical. But it's not happening because Mr. Trump. That is the problem. You get what you fight for. There's no system of governance you could create if you're not willing to fight for it. So suddenly it's disarmed. You have the one man that is the most responsible for COVID genocide and the one man most responsible for fighting it. And you say what a big issue it is up until the point where you bring it to a head between the two and, oh, whoops, DeSantis's good work on that doesn't exist. Trump's statements. And again, see, the thing is, the more someone is close to you, the more you should be lit about them being adopting the, the, the other side's messaging because it reflects you. How are my colleagues not saying a word about this? So I want to I just round that out. First, our final sponsor today, Policy Genius. Um, look, <laughs> with a lot of people having taken this serum and with the spike protein remaining in your body potentially for some indefinitely, uh, there's a lot of excess death and there's a continued excess death. People are dying suddenly young more than ever. And it's a reminder that we all need to think about something very inconvenient. But if you have a family like mine, a wife and four kids, you're the primary breadwinner, you need life insurance. And usually what you get from work is not nearly enough. I mean, easily for a family my size, you need close to a million dollars, especially with inflation. Policy Genius is not an insurance company. What they are is they aggregate for you immediately. They, you know, they know your time is valuable. They have technology to make it easy to compare apples to apples quotes, spit it back to you in a few minutes. I've tried it out, and you could find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for a million coverage. Okay? That is that is truly, truly amazing. You know, you're talking about like 25 bucks a month. Some options offer, offer same-day approval and avoid medical exams as well, which is what Turns a lot of people off. Uh, they Policy Genius has licensed award-winning agents who can help you find the best needs for you. So they actually, it's not just some sort of aggregate website alone, but you could actually call into them. Uh, Policy Genius is for, for all of us, parents, caregivers, anyone who else who people depend upon. And they have thousands of five-star reviews on Google and Trustpilot. Look, head over to policygenius.com slash Daniel. Again, they're not selling you anything. They're just giving you those quotes. Do not leave your loved ones without care. Your loved ones deserve a financial safety net, and you deserve a smarter way to find and purchase that at policygenius.com slash Daniel. One other thing, by the way, that's that's important. He said with that interview, on that interview, that Henry McMaster, the governor of South Carolina, did better than than DeSantis. He's obsessed with McMaster. Now, again, obviously, a lot of you know that McMaster, to this day, his health department's a toilet, never fought the localities. In fact, I know someone in the legislature that when we were working on the whole business of red state hospitals denying organ transplants to patients, they had to slip it into another bill 
because the governor didn't support that. Okay, even fighting the denial of organ transplants. Henry McMaster is a corporate shill beyond belief. When we talk about the three reasons why red states aren't red, they're scared of identity politics, corporate politics, and, and losing federal funding. Those are the three things they care about. And that's assuming they're not straight up frauds. He is the embodiment of that. He is a potted plant for the Chamber of Commerce. He opposed all of our bills, by the way, to divest the state government from China and China land ownership. He's in bed with those corporations. He is, and by the way, Nikki Haley was like that too, but he's the type, I hate to get crude here, but he is the type that if the Fourth Reich ever, you know, let's say the Fed said, look, we're going to put our political opponents into gas chambers and crematoriums, and we need to spread them around the country and uh, build them. He would be the first one to gobble up those federal grants. Oh, jobs and infrastructure to run the crematoriums. I mean, that there's no values there. Whatever, and that's what he does with the green energy and stuff like that. A complete corporate whore. He is indistinguishable from Mitch McConnell. But he kisses up to Trump. By the way, I have it on good word that Trump had a call with um, – this was in the media. He had a call with the National Freedom Caucuses, and he started praising some of these rhino governors, and the individual legislators from these states were, were like, dude, this guy is horrible. Was like, oh, I didn't know that. He says nice things about me. That's literally what the guy would say. He says nice things about me. It's all people say. That is such a security risk to our cause and movement to, to the extent we believe in it. That someone's entirety of their body politic is defined by someone kissing up to them. So think about it. If you're a red state rhino, you, you now know that you can do everything you've done until now. Screw us, but disarm the right by getting Trump's endorsement. How do you do it? Oh, do you have to oppose the vaccines? You have to oppose green energy? No. Kiss up to Trump. I, I, I don't understand this. But this is the embodiment of why the Constitution fell. Because we don't believe in it. We don't fight for it. it, it it's just a talking point. I, I'm giving this as an example of how you could have people that spent... So you have the element on the right that never touched COVID, and that's bad enough. But then you have the element that did touch it. But then when you have the number one most consequential, impactful, relevant guy on your side who reflects you the most, it's not just that he's not zealously fighting it. To this day, even as the FDA admits some things, no one got injured. I don't know it. I don't care. The ventilators were great. It, the vaccine saved millions of people. The other therapeutics, he he didn't. He said Regeneron, but then also, um, he obviously means Remdesivir and Paxlovid. The guy, even years later, won't learn. It's all ego. That is the antithesis of everything the MAGA movement says they stand for. That's the antithesis of populism. We don't have time for this. You know, I, I was speaking with 
a legislator in, 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 in a red state. And I thanked her for, I said, wow, I, th- I thanked her for endorsing DeSantis. I said that was that took a lot of guts. And because we were talking about how all these legislators, they're being blackmailed and threatened if they if they don't endorse him. And that's how he's getting the endorsements he does, even from people that know better. Kind of a reflection of what you have in conservative media you have with with conservative legislators. And she said to me, actually, it didn't take a lot of guts. It wasn't a big deal. It was like, this is what I believe. I would actually have a hard time going against my beliefs. I sit and fight in the legislature for all this stuff, and we have a hard time with these phony Republican governors and there's one guy that's doing it. We wish we had it. I mean, this is what we need. We always say we wanted it. We have it. Uh, Trump is endorsing all these rhinos in our states that we've, we're trying to get rid of. I mean, why would I go in any different direction? <laughs> she said, it's not a big deal what I did. It would have been a big deal not to do it. And I said, I appreciate what you're telling me, but it's refreshing. I, I can find very few people who share your mentality. And that's why we are where we are. You know, everyone's talking about Mitt Romney retiring. Ha, 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 he's out. But yeah, that's yesterday's issue. He, his damage is already done, and all of his disciples are still there in other states. There was a primary. There was a man who won the convention at Utah. A state legislator won the, beat him in the convention. Now, they neutered it so that you can get petition. You can petition enough signatures to bypass the convention loss and get on the ballot, which Romney obviously did. But Trump went in, and this is even after Romney trashed him for years and endorsed him everywhere. People think that somehow he changed, that the prosecutions, he's going to have such a motivation. You watch his face during these interviews, and he, and again, he's very honest. When you catch him off guard, he doesn't, honestly, he's not smart enough to think on his feet for 4D chess to lie to you. And, and, and I think that's something that we all like about him. He is a very surface guy, but it's very revealing. And... There's no evidence that he has changed. If you say the right things, remember, most of the McConnells are dying out. The new crop of people that are the same thing as he is, they got smart and they just kiss up to him and they're going to be in his administration if he were to win. And they're going to do the same things. He has no core beliefs. He has no understanding of issues. He has no desire to repent and to learn from mistakes. It's all about him. I don't understand. We don't have time for this bullcrap. And again, the biggest proof in the pudding is he won't even fight the right thing when it comes to him. It's only his personality, not the policy of defunding the Jack Smith prosecutions. Could you imagine if Trump would put up enormous pressure that House Republicans need to endorse the Clyde Amendment and defund Jack Smith's prosecution, at least for the duration of the election. Could you imagine 
the whip count that that would set off in conservative media, shaming anyone who doesn't join that. He could get that done. He's either too dumb, incompetent, uninformed, lack of principle even on his own case, or knows something we don't know, which should really, either way, it's just as disturbing. But the point is, I don't think he's even smart enough to be a con man. He, like, reads the news and says, oh, that's what you want? I'll vent And he did this on nearly every policy. The people said, the people said, the experts, the smart people. He's very impressed by them. How do you think he had General Milley and Mattis and Kelly and, and McMaster, not Henry McMaster, H.R. McMaster as National Security Advisor? They came in with credentials. They had credentials yay long. Tillerson was the CEO of, of ExxonMobil. He is still impressed with that. DeSantis laughs at those people. DeSantis appointed my friend, Kyle M., whom we had on the show. I don't even think he has a college degree for his COVID data guy. And the Miami Herald made fun out of it. Huh, some guy like that's your, he doesn't care. If you do the good job, you have the right values, you're good at what you do, you're going to get the outcome done, here you go. We won't take yes for an answer on what we claim to believe. This is the reality. We don't fight for what we want. And it wasn't just COVID. I laugh as we as we look at um, illegal immigration. Yes, it's worse than it's ever been. But the illegal immigration numbers are kind of like the debt numbers and inflation. It's built off of Trump's cake. This mass caravan where you didn't have quiet immigration, it began under Trump. And it only was shut down because of Ken Cuccinelli, who is supporting DeSantis, and because we pressured the hell and begged and begged. Remember, I did shows for a year and a half when the invasion started in 2018. And we begged him. And finally, one of my articles was read to him in the Oval Office on how to shut it down. But so incompetent, so unfocused, so uncaring. We had the worst invasion. Ironically, Biden helps him out because Biden blows it off more. So people remember it was better back then. But it was pathetic. And we excused it. Because it the Trump. We don't care about our own prerogatives. And it was ultimately COVID that shut it down, really. That's the irony. It's kind of like under Bush, too. It happened. People forget. Um... You know, the second term of Bush, it was it was awful, the border numbers. But it wasn't these caravans. It was it was the ones and twos. It was just very quiet. And ironically, it was the Great Recession, quasi-depression. The economy just shut it down. And then it built back up during Obama's second term in particular with the DACA. DACA is what, what pushed it, and the Republicans agreed with him on that. And then, of course, the debt. 
I mean, everyone's talking about inflation. It's terrible, this, that. Again, all that spending was under him. We don't fight for, we don't get our prerogatives because we don't fight for them. And again, there's nothing new about Trump. He's just creating paralysis now that we, that we can't redress it. But it's always gone on like this. And this is why we keep talking about Florida. It's the only state where they're attempting to flush the bureaucracies, use the Department of Education, Department of Health for our own prerogatives, change the culture in education, the culture in health, govern in accordance with our values. You go to every one of these states, their green energy cesspools, their biomedical security cesspools, their homosexual agenda cesspools, the public schools are toilets. Nothing changes because we have our comedic relief. But this is a great segue to our final segment here, our guest segment about the Second Amendment and Brian Festa. So I want to get back to our original question to come full circle with our interview. We asked the question, was the Constitution a mistake? Did it fail? Were its values of individual liberty, open, free enterprise, you know, it wound up being used against us. And now we have the ultimate fascism. Was there a better system? And what we've been pointing out is that, no, there is no readily available better system. Only God's word is perfect. Nothing's perfect, but no. But did it fail? Yes. The reason it did is because no system could succeed if the people ultimately don't guard their own liberties. There's no like, oh, it's the, the court this, the legislature that, the state, the feds, the localities. That's the system, and it's supposed to work, but it's fueled by the people as a whole willing to say, whoa, 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 that is unjust, that is immoral, that cannot go, that's uh, flagrantly unconstitutional. James Erdell pretty much the leader, leading founder from North Carolina, who was a governor there, one of the first Supreme Court justices, he famously said, the only resource against usurpation is the inherent right of the people to prevent its exercise. And there's no way around that. That is the point. And what I want to give you is a control group to test my theory. That it was really the system was good and the failure was in our disregard. Sometimes we're lazy, we're fearful, as we've been talking about. Sometimes you could place idolatry in party politics, which George Washington warned. So then it's like, oh, well, it's my guy doing it, so it's not a problem. There's all different impediments, but we are not fighting back. The control group, as I've said many times, is guns. Second Amendment, for some reason, that is the one issue where we created in the body politic, in the culture, that it is shall not be infringed, will not happen, you can't get elected in a primary without it, uh, it, it even percolates over to some Democrats, there's no way you could, you could screw us on that. We, we, we show a zero tolerance mentality, and guess what? The results show. So you have this case in New Mexico where Governor uh, Lewin Grisham comes out and is like, all right, no carry, no no, no guns in Albuquerque and the entire county there. And immediately, it's not like, well, it's not right, or maybe it's unconstitutional in the abstract. 
they just people go into motion and the Democrat officials, the sheriffs, like we're not enforcing it. The attorney general, Democrat, even a Democrat refuses to enforce it. So you see the success of a unified, intrepid stance from the Republicans, even it's so strong, it 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 spilled over into even some Democrats, like, oh, we can't we can't do that. How the hell did that not happen with COVID? I mean, I've said before that self-defense and certainly the right to carry is a very strong right, but it wasn't so obvious, and that's why it needed to be in a Bill of Rights. Madison said this many times. He didn't like the Bill of Rights to a certain extent. He was originally opposed to it because it, it connoted the fact that, oh, it's only these things. But no, we all understood what inherent rights are. I don't need to say that you have a right to breathe, that government can't tape your mouth shut. That, that, that's so obvious you cannot live without that. And, and no one was like, wait, wait, what? You just did what? You said I can't walk around breathing? You said I have to shut down my church, my business? But no, it didn't happen that way. So you have this lawsuit really fueled uh, by, by our next guest. And we got an injunction yesterday. Now, some of you might say, oh, that's the judiciary. And that's a part of it, but it's only a part of it. Look, judges are politicians like anyone else, okay? Even the better ones, and certainly the non-better ones, they're a reflection of what they believe is public opinion. That's 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 the bottom line. Um, why do you think they only they suddenly pushed gay marriage? They said, oh, there's a constitutional right to it. What? They suddenly believe that? No, they sense that that's where the public was, whether you agree or disagree. And um, Judge uh, Posen, a uh, famous former judge in Seventh Circuit, basically said that at the time. They, they go by what they believe. So when you have the people like, this is not happening, and the attorney general and the sheriff, he fell in line. This is a Biden-appointed judge, by the way. So I, I want to give credit to our next guest, but I wanted to preface that with the fact that it's part of the – Yes, you get the judiciary, you get the legislature. If it's the states doing usurpation, you get the feds to go after them. If it's the feds, the states have to push back. But ultimately, the people have to make it clear this is not happening. Then you let the wheels of the courts of the legislature churn. But that's where this is what went wrong with COVID. This is what goes wrong with green energy, taking away our stuff in, in the red states. Everything you don't like about a red state is because of you. Why are red states good on abortion, taxes, and guns, and nothing else? Because that's the only thing we fight for. We can have nice things on other things if you fight for it. So with that, I want to invite Brian Fest, a longtime guest. Um, I've never seen an organization do so much with such success. WeThePatriotsUSA.org. you got to donate there. WeThePatriotsUSA.org. They fought the COVID battles that others didn't want to fight, but they're fighting on education freedom. They're fighting on uh, you know medical kidnapping. And now, Second Amendment, at WTP Patriots USA on Twitter. Brian, you're really on a roll. Welcome back, and c- congratulations on your win. Thank you. Thank you for having me back, Daniel. Yeah, I mean, it's listening to your monologue there, it's, it's all interconnected, isn't it? Uh, all of these rights where all these battles we've been fighting in the, on the public health front with regard to COVID mandates. You know, I had a lot of conversations with you, as your listeners know, over the last couple of years about, you know, mask mandates, the shop mandates. 
But we warned back then because they kept using the public health emergency excuse. We warned folks, they're going to come after a lot of other rights, including your right to defend yourself, your Second Amendment rights. They will use that. Well, what did Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham do just the other day, last Friday afternoon? She issued an order, an executive order. They love to use those executive orders, don't they? Um, saying that anyone who lived in a place where there was a certain threshold of high crime per thousand people, so many crimes, I can't remember what the exact number was, but Albuquerque was the main city that fit that definition. You could not carry a weapon. Whether you have a permit or you don't have a permit, nobody can carry a weapon. And that's, uh, that was just, you know, we recognized right away that that was a uh, definite uh, violation of the Second Amendment and just brazenly uh, defying the order in the Bruin decision by the United States Supreme Court last year. I can talk about that more in a minute, but we recognized, and in less than 24 hours, we filed a federal lawsuit against her by Saturday. Now, we were doing our vaccine safety awareness marathon last weekend, Daniel. That's a 24-hour, that's our flagship event. We have all the videos up for people to watch if you missed it. But that's a 24-hour live event. So I was going 24 hours, and at the same time in the background, while my guest host jumped in, I was trying to uh, get together with our legal team and get this filed uh, in New Mexico. But we did it. We pulled it off. And yesterday was a great day. Uh, we did win that temporary restraining order. The battle's not over. It's a temporary uh, stay on her order. But we were victorious in court yesterday. And 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 that's tremendous that you're able to be multifaceted. I, I hate one trick ponies. And I love like our show where we cover so many issues and you're able to fight where constitutional rights are being threatened. You are there. Um, kind of what the ACLU sold itself of be doing, but it was the opposite. You're actually doing that. I would say you're our version of the ACLU. And again, I, I encourage people, there's very few organizations, as you well know, that I think aren't grifters. But we, the Patriots USA, you've done so much work. But I, I don't want to be cynical. And I know you have to, you know, as a lawyer, you know, look at the strength of the legal arguments. But do you agree with my sentiment that so much of this is view, is viewed through the prism of perceived public opinion. So, for example, with COVID, the perception was, and they're not wrong, of the judges in March, April, it was shut up, talk to the hand. I mean, they locked us out in most cases. It, the people, supermajority, you had, you had 80-20 Trump counties where you had these executive orders masking kids for months on end. I mean, everyone, most people, they, they, they fell for it. It seems like... Call me cynical, but it just seems like our successes in the courts with COVID, and I know you've had some recently, almost were commensurate with public opinion. It does seem that way, doesn't it? Now, I'm not <laughs> going to be foolish enough as an attorney, a member of the bar, to sit here and accuse judges <laughs> of, of simply uh, going by the whims of public opinion. I will say we had some brave judges, though. Judges like, uh, you know, not that I agree with every single ruling he's made, but uh, Neil Gorsuch uh, said, if you remember, during um, when, when they were locking down churches, but yet allowing strip clubs to stay open in, in New York and in California, and we had that case, actually, um, the Brooklyn Archdiocese, and he specifically said the Constitution is not set aside during a public health emergency. So, you know, he did... In that case, now granted, that was a, that was one win. We didn't win on all the shot mandate cases yeah. and the mask mandate cases. I, I wish we would have won on all every single case, but he did emphatically state that, and that's helping us because we actually 
Uh, our legal team yesterday in court, we quoted that line from Justice Gorsuch in defense of the fact that Governor Grisham can't yep. use a public health emergency to abrogate our Second Amendment rights. No, but, but and it's not as cynical as I'm making it out to be. It's part of a momentum of the people as a whole recognizing this is unconstitutional. And and it's a little bit bizarre that we have such an imbalance as much of a proponent of guns as I am. You know, again, it's not you could live without a gun. You can't live without that that you can't live a life unless you cover your breathing holes and inject you with genetic genetic serum. That is actually worse, but because it's not obvious to people and there we don't we haven't built a movement and then now we're currently building it, but we didn't have a long-standing movement, you didn't have that fight and I just feel like the judges respond, let's be honest, okay, let's be honest. If you're a Republican-appointed judge, what is the Super Bowl of Republican politics? Abortion. So that is the one issue where even the more, like, weaker Republican Supreme Court justices, they went categorical. I was even surprised. Categorical repeal, overturning of Roe v. Wade. But let's face it, Obergefell is 100 times worse legally it just does, doesn't make any sense because it's not someone's body. You're asking for an affirmative benefit from a state and saying, I mean, literally two years after the court said in Windsor, Kennedy himself, that it's all up to the states. Like, There's no way you could keep that deeply rooted in history. Tradition has been preserved in the Dobbs opinion. So this is antithetical to deeply rooted. But none of us believe that there will be this alacrity from Kavanaugh, Roberts, not sure about Barrett as much as there would be Clarence Thomas to get rid of that because they don't perceive that it's as you know popular because on the right it, they're universally against abortion whereas with with that I mean yeah good number of Republicans support it so in in other words isn't it important that the people themselves okay let me rephrase it because I don't want to get you in trouble but the <laughs> actions that precipitate that led to this ruling or predated the ruling in the hours following Grisham's order. Weren't those actions indispensable to, to any challenge? I, I think so. And I think they were definitely instrumental in getting the attorney general to come out and emphatically and publicly state that he wasn't, it wasn't just a closed door meeting with the governor. He sent a public letter saying he's not going to defend her because he, yes, he has an obligation as attorney general to defend the governor in court, but his number one obligation is to his oath that he swore to uphold and defend the United States Constitution when he took the office of attorney general of the state of New Mexico. So he said that in his letter, and that was a great day. I mean, you're talking about someone who served in the Obama Department of Justice, Raul Torres, and he's coming out against the governor on a gun ban. Yeah. Um, that, that, that was huge, and it was, I believe, in large part because of the groundswell of public outrage. There was a huge rally just a day before our, our hearing um, you know, against this. And, yeah, I mean, judges are people, right? They, they hear the news. They read the news. It's not like they like, live in a cave and turn everything off. And, you know, yes, they see this. They hear this. Are they supposed to be influenced by it? No. But everybody has, a, a, even if on a subconscious level, has you know, some sort of – uh, you know, bias, you know, yeah. uh, good or good, good or bad. And, and ultimately, though, what the judge said in the courtroom, I agreed with, um, even though you could tell he really didn't want to, <laughs> in my opinion, he didn't really want to give us that win. But he said, 
he was basically saying my hands are tied. You know, the Constitution, yes. you know, yes, yes, I realize there's a huge, uh, as, as they call it, gun violence problem, which is a misnomer, as you know, but there's a huge gun violence problem and we need to address it. And, you know, he, he's sensitive to that. But at the end of the day, he has to abide by the Constitution and by the precedent of the United States Supreme Court. I, I found that amazing just watching that because in every other context that has not deterred the Democrats. When you have hardcore left Democrats, we are I mean, that's what we're all lamenting about. That you look at January sixth, you look at the you know, political targeting, you look at the anarcho tyranny, the juxtaposition of, you know, what happened to BLM Antifa and and the J six people, it's like wait, you're not really going to lock this guy up for things he said on his podcast. You know, like you had that Alex Jones's, you know, deputy there in his uh, little media company who was sentenced to 60 days. I mean, it's literally for what he said. I mean, you might hate it, but we always, you know, the old ACLU, they'll fight for that right. Come on. But no, in every other context, they believe you don't deserve your rights. They believe that, you know, if you don't get the vaccine, we should take away your kids. I mean, there's no such intellectual honesty on any other issue. The border, I mean, there is nothing they won't do to achieve to disregard immigration law. There is no rule of law. Yet when it comes to this, it's just so bizarre. And I think it's because it's the one thing where we have a unified movement where we will lay down on the tracks and say no. And it's almost like an, an inevitability thing. It's kind of like with elections. People vote for a person often because they think he's going to win. I was like, well, what do you mean? Vote for the guy you think reflects your values. But inevitably, it's it's bizarre. It plays a role. So saying if you think you're going to win, you'll do it because you can. But if you think the people will ultimately thwart a gun grab, you're going to step back. So I just want to end off with where do you see this going? Do you see, first of all, was everything enjoined? temporarily in in her order and second of all do you see her coming back and doing okay i'm not going to do a categorical ban but we'll kind of do what new york city has been doing really limit the type of thing you can carry the places you could carry things like that yeah so um the parts one and four of her order were the parts we were seeking to be enjoined because those were the everything else was kind of superfluous uh she was banning you know Banning guns in schools and state office buildings, well, that was already in place in the law. So that is not, you know, something new. And it's something the Supreme Court in Bruin has even said were, was, is a reasonable restriction. So we couldn't really fight that. So we, what we fought is anything new. So what she was enjoined against is any new ban, which was basically any public place, any public park, any state property, even on the highways. You know, if someone's carrying a gun in their car, they could have been, you know, fined, arrested, whatever. That was enjoined. So um, people, the citizens of Albuquerque, like our individual plaintiff, because we're the lead plaintiff, but we also have an individual plaintiff, Dennis Smith, who's been a resident of Albuquerque for 40 years and has seen his city decline, overrun by illegals, drug cartel. Uh, you know, he can't defend himself. He's an older man. He said, I can't run away from these people. I can't fight back. I need to carry when I go out into a public park in Albuquerque. Um, and the judge heard that and sympathized with that, rightly so. So this is a 14-day restraining order for now. It was actually extended a little bit beyond the 14 days because the court can do that for good cause. The attorneys weren't able to, to make it because they had conflicts with um, so the attorneys for the governor um, with, their, with their trial schedule for other cases. So he extended it till October 3rd, actually. So this, this day on her ban is going to remain in effect till October 3rd, at which point we're going to come back for a hearing on the preliminary injunction, which is a more... 
um, permanent, because um, that that can become a permanent injunction, a more uh, permanent uh, stay or or uh, striking down of her order that will be heard on October 3rd. So uh, we're going to be coming back to New Mexico on October 3rd at 10 a.m. We'll have all the updates. We'll have a link to listen and everything just like we did. Um, so if you subscribe to our email list, you can stay updated and we'll we'll email that link on the day of. That's how the courts in New Mexico do it. They don't send it out till the morning of. So um, stay informed. Follow us on Telegram, Twitter, everywhere else. Uh, we the Patriots USA, and we will keep you updated as to the latest breaking news in this case. No, you guys did terrific work. I am just floored how you're seamlessly getting into all different constitutional rights and and, and fighting for them. And that's that's what it's going to take. Uh, congrats on your victory. Let's take this to other issues as well. Again, donate at wethepatriotsusa.org. All right, Brian, we'll have you back soon. I know you're going to be in the thick of it. Take care. So that was Brian Festa. I just love that guy. He's done so much work. He's such a big, big heart. And I think this is a really important show in many, many respects. Do we believe our own talking points? When you actually really believe in something, you'll be surprised the avenues of strategies, of implementation, that will come to mind. God blesses that because God obviously smiles upon uh, pure beliefs in doing the right thing rather than just, oh, it's a good talking point. Maybe it's a right, correct talking point, but I'm just going to grab it for, you know, because it gets good show ratings for now, but I'm, I don't actually mean it because then when it matters, I'll negate it. I'll negate it. No. And, and nor is this a, a commercial for judicial supremacism. I, I would argue, you know, when I always said that in blue states in the long run, and I still believe in the long run, courts aren't going to save you. And you see that in, in Oregon, they haven't saved us on even, even guns. But the point is that commensurate with how strongly you fight is what you get. I want you guys to understand the dichotomy between Second Amendment and every other issue. It's amazing. It really is an amazing thing from a political science, uh, you know, just observation. That when it comes to almost every other issue, we can't get Republicans to do the right thing in deep red, you know, deep, deep supermajority red states. But yet, when it comes to Second Amendment, even in New Mexico... You could even get Democrats to be like, yeah, we, we can't really participate in this. It, it's ultimately a matter of saying no. You want to know what should have happened during COVID. This is it. Copy and paste this paradigm from New Mexico and inject it into your veins and your heart. If you want to know what is lacking on every other issue... Every other issue is talking point deep, and that is it. This is the one where everyone's willing to go to bat for. And my point is not to, you know, be down on that and trash it, but to demonstrate that it's something very empowering. You get what you fight for. You build the case, and part of building the case is, is, is just showing how seriously you believe in something. People are attracted to very deeply rooted convictions. And, and and the more people you have showing that you are willing to go to the mat for something, it, it, it in itself 
gives off an aura of authenticity and the fact that it's justified. There might be some truth to it. The guy might have a point. And that's what's missing. We, we got into this a little bit yesterday with impeachment and this other stuff. And, and even with abortion now, people look at Republicans and they just don't they just don't think you mean it. Again, with abortion, you have a lot of Republicans that are, you know, have 50 divorces and adultery and even sometimes knocking someone up and getting her to privately get an abortion. They don't believe we're serious because, frankly, Republicans and the fake conservative movement are not serious. The one issue they're serious on, they get results. Imagine if we fought for every right. Government doesn't have a right to take away our products and force green energy on us. They don't have the right to force masks and vaccines and any of this stuff. If we actually fought that just as hard, imagine where things would go. I want you to think about that. Let that hang out a little bit because this is very important. We don't have another system. We don't have another place to go. And we need a model for how to fight. And I think you're seeing this 100%. And yes, you could file lawsuits, but it has to be a part of a bigger strategy. We have the strategy. Will we, will we actually replicate it? Or again, do we just want to service one man and be in the good graces of one man? That is our decision. That is our choice. Till tomorrow, God bless you all, and thank you for listening. We are at a tipping point in America. With 400,000 children in the U.S. foster care system and a quarter of those awaiting a forever family, Christians must step up. This is Jack Graham, senior pastor at Prestonwood Baptist Church, inviting you to Chosen, a summit addressing these urgent needs on Saturday, April 13th. Chosen will empower churches to begin foster care and adoption ministries and equip families who are adopting or fostering. We have great speakers joining me, including Sadie Robertson Huff and Governor Greg Abbott of the great state of Texas, along with dozens of breakout sessions. I urge you to join us and help make a difference in the lives of these precious children. Register at Prestonwood.org chosen.